0: Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? At all right, all right, we're going to try this again. All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. We, are, uh, we, we finished up our James series last week. And so if you missed that, you can see it in the archives. Just go back and uh, listen to the whole thing, because I thought it was a great series, um, as we just kind of listened to the wisdom of God coming down and speaking to us just in daily uh, rhythms of life. It was, it was really good. And so that now leads us into, uh, as we'll be starting next week, our Advent series. Advent is what we follow, which kind of goes right after Thanksgiving, and it leads right up to Christmas. Um, and it's a time of, of awaiting, if you will. Uh, where we're expecting Jesus to come. And and that's what we look at with Advent, is this this Jesus who was prophesied, this Jesus who was promised, is coming in the form of a baby in a manger. And it's God really putting on flesh and coming to, to begin the work that He has been talking about throughout the entire Old Testament. And so we'll be looking at that with the idea of come thou long expected Messiah. And each week we'll fill in king, priest, prophet, and then finishing with the Eve of Eve service, come thou long expected Jesus. So it's going to be a good time. And what I want to do today was it's kind of a standalone sermon. And as you can hear, I'm, I'm a little congested. And so uh, I won't go probably 55 minutes like I did last week. Um, but uh, what I did want to do today was just kind of look at this, this holiday season. And so the holidays are among us. Thanksgiving is this week. Christmas is going to be right after that. And I know many of you have already probably started the Christmas celebration before Thanksgiving. Um, I'm, I'm personally okay with that, unlike Josh, who, who thinks it shouldn't happen until afterwards. I know there could be some division among that. Um, but I think this is a good season uh, that we're coming into. And I think the seasons can be different for different people. For different reasons, some people know that this is a season where you're getting together with family and friends, and it's harmonious and it's a good time. And for others, the holidays are a time where you don't get with family and friends because it usually, uh, you maybe maybe you're um you know just not connected anymore or whatever it might look like. Uh, some people do get together with family and friends, and then the grenade drops, and then it's just arguing all the time, uh, whatever it might be. But one thing that I wanted to look at as we walk into this season, is how to rightfully place and categorize these types of festivals, these types of celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas, these types of events. How do we look at them so that we don't get um, what some people call the Christmas blues, some people call the holiday hangover, uh, and that's not just from drinking too much eggnog. Um, it, it's a different kind of feel that we have where there's so much, and, and you can see this in TV, you can see this in music, you can see this in movies. There's so much that's built up around this season, um, especially with the marketing that's going on. Every commercial that you see is kind of highlighting just the blissful of, like, the, of this time. But then it all ends. The presents are open, the meals are over, the family leave, and there's this kind of holiday hangover. Like that, that's it? Like that's all we, we experience? Like there was so much built up or so much angst leading up to this time. And what I want us to do today is just kind of look at a few verses in Scripture that can help us focus on the substance rather than the shadows that come within this season. Because again, there there is a time for everything in a season. And you've heard me talk about that when we've walked through Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there's a season. There's a time for every matter under heaven. And I do believe that there is a time for Thanksgiving, the, the actual holiday, and a time for Christmas. And again, those aren't necessarily found specifically in, in scripture as holidays or festivals that we celebrate. Some people think that they've been Hijacked from secularism and whatever you know, I'm not worried about the origins of, of these events that we're celebrating. What I care more about is the substance that these festivals and events and celebrations can point to as they are just shadows themselves. And this is that I get that kind of idea from Colossians 2, 16 through 17, when Paul says this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with, with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And so what Paul is saying to these churches in Colossae is that feasts and festivals are good, but they're just the shadow of the greater truth of Christ. They're good to partake of in worship, but they are not good to be the object of worship. And so if you're putting a lot of, of weight in how Thanksgiving goes or how the meal is cooked um, or how the conversations end up having. If you're putting all your weight in those things, then, then you might actually end Thanksgiving and, and, and head into Black Friday um, with a sense of letdown or a sense of like that wasn't what it all was all cracked up to be because you're putting the festival, if you will, as the substance, as the object of worship. And so whether, if that turkey gets burnt on Thursday, and you're really longing for just a beautifully cooked turkey, then again, you're going to be let down in that. And you're not going to actually be filled with any type of thanksgiving. Same with Christmas. If you're walking into Christmas and it's all about what you get, it's all about the present, it's all about the gift, it's all about the perfectly decorated house with tinsel and lights uh, I think the lights are still up from last year at our house. Um, the kids have just demolished them on the trees outside, so I've just kind of left them up. Um, but it's not all about just those things. If it was, then again, Christmas is going to come. The presents are going to be open. They're going to be empty, and then you're going to left, be left feeling empty if it's just about those things. They're, they're not the substance. Jesus is. You can't get your arms around a shadow. You can't be comforted by a shadow. Only some substance can do that. I mean, if you take the turkey, for example, if, if the turkey is the substance and like that's what's going to make Thanksgiving the, the real deal, then you wouldn't have to bust that turkey back out four hours later for some sandwiches because it would have been enough at the meal. But what do we do? We have it for leftovers again and again and again because it's not enough. It's not enough. It's never satisfying. And so we need to change as we walk into this holiday season. We need to change our focus. And so I ask you to set your heart and mind on the substance and not the shadow. By turning your attention onto the word of God made flesh, you'll be able to handle the weight of this season. You won't won't get bogged down by this season. You won't maybe feel the anxiety that this season brings. I mean, again, we, we are just go, go, go from here on out, right? Uh, and hopefully eventually you'll get to some type of rest, maybe post-Christmas. But right now it is a busy season. And so we're ridden with anxiety. We're ridden with angst. We're ridden with just constantly figuring out what the kids are going to need, what, the, what we need to do schedule-wise, calendar-wise. There's so many events going on. Like it can just be so anxious. And I want to pull our focus away from that. When we focus our hearts on the fulfilled expectation of Christ's first coming and the glorious expectation of His second coming, may the Christmas blues and the holiday hangover begin to lose their power over us. And so this holiday season, we're just asking that the Holy Spirit will just help you learn to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. That'll, That'll help you, as I'll show you here in a moment, be thankful. And it'll also help you celebrate Christmas, as we're not concerned about the gifts we give or the gifts we receive, but we're concerned more about the ultimate gift that God gave us. As we see in James 1:17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And so we are to know that we serve a God that never changes. And we serve a God who gives the perfect gift. And he gives us the gift of his son, Jesus. And, and we know the gospel message. We know the story that, that we are sinners in need of a desperate Savior. And we know that God wraps Jesus up in the perfect gift as he sends him, as we celebrate and as we will celebrate in the Christmas season as a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And it's not just this sweet little nativity scene i mean it's it's ugly and it's dirty and it's in a barn it's not you know what we kind of picture in our minds of this little beautiful light turned on you know it's 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 dirty and it's because ultimately yes he did come in the form of a baby but ultimately he came from his throne to enter into one of the most humiliating in order for a king to be born in. And it's a humbling thing for us when we focus on that, when we think on what the incarnation of God is really about. It's about him seeing us in our sinful and desperate need of a savior. And that as as we've tried to work it out in our own lives and as we try to been good people and as we to do all the right things for thousands of years and we just can't ever quite make it work. And God looks at us and he says, you know what? My plan was never for you to make it work. My plan was never for you to fully abide by the law. That was never my plan. My plan was actually to just send the law so that you could see how sinful you are. So that you could see that, yeah, you continue to hate people in your heart. You continue to look at people in lust. You continue to lie, even if it's white lies. You continue to, to not do the things that you should do. All right, let's, let's put that category out. What about the things that we should do? Helping the poor, feeding the, you know, helping the sick, whatever it looks like. And we still don't do those things. Again, the law was put in place to just show us that we need a Savior. Because we can't be righteous ourselves. And he sends that Savior to us. He sends that perfect gift to us. And that allows us, as we start focusing more on what God has done despite us, it allows us to truly be thankful. Because gratitude is the only response we can have when we come to this place of understanding that We could not fix our situation. We could not help ourselves, and God did everything for us. And because he did everything for us, there's nothing left for us to say, look how awesome I am, Or, or, or look what I did, or look how good I was over here. Look at these gifts that I gave this person over here. Look at how I served over here. No, even those things don't matter. What matters ultimately is what he's done for us, the perfect gift, Jesus' coming. That's why we're able to say in things like Romans 1.8, for I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So I, got, I, think, I think there's five things here on Thanksgiving that I want to share with us as we lead into this week of Thanksgiving. One is Thanksgiving is Trinitarian. Thanksgiving is Trinitarian. And what I mean by that is, is the God that we believe in exists as a trinity exist as three people in one, all right? So it's God that we serve, but this God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They've existed equally for all eternity. And so when we give thanks for what God has done for us, we're giving thanks to God that represents all of the Trinity so that we see scriptures like this. I thank my God through Jesus Christ. For all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. We also see in Colossians three sixteen through 17, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, seeking, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. So, it's this idea that we are always giving thanks to God for His perfect will, His perfect plan that He has established from the very beginning. From the very beginning, God's been in control, sovereign, and has never been shocked or surprised by anything that's happened. He's in control. And that should prov- provide for us some, some rest and actually should help our anxiety a little bit because He's in control. Nothing's going to derail his plans for your life, his plans for your holiday season. Nothing's going to derail what God has for you. We can trust that and we can be thankful to God for that through Jesus. The very presence of thanksgiving according to Romans 8, 5 through 8 is because of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we give thanks to the Father through the Son by means of the Holy Spirit. That's what we do when we give thanks. Number two, thanksgiving replaces sin. When Paul commands believers to stop sinning, he also commands believers to put thanksgiving in its place. Listen to this in Ephesians 5.4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So he kind of puts these two things in contrary to one another. This idea of sinning, which is serving self, does not allow us to be thankful outside of ourselves, but rather it's just, again, serving ourselves. And it never, never measures up, never meets what it's supposed to meet. But when we give outside of ourselves, when we get to this place that He's done something that we're not able to do, and we're thankful for that, we're able to actually begin replacing sin with worship sin with worship, because we're thankful for what God is doing, and we now begin to walk in step with God's good plan and goodwill for our lives. We begin to to please God with our speech of thankfulness instead of foolish talk. John Piper explains it this way, the key to unlocking a heart of gratitude and overcoming bitterness and ugliness and disrespect and violence is a strong belief in God. The creator and sustainer and provider and hope giver. Like The more we see God for who he is and what he's done, the more thankful we are and the more it begins to kill the bitterness and the disrespect and the violence that we see in our lives. Number three, thanksgiving sanctifies creation. And You're like, I have no idea what that means. I'm going to tell you. How should Christians think about God's good creation? This might be a way for you to think about that turkey on Thursday when we partake of it. He says this in 1 Timothy 4.4. Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. What he's saying there is, is what he has created in creation was created for us to enjoy but to enjoy it rightly. And what I mean by that is if you were to come to to Thursday and you've got that plate of every shade of yellow and tan right in front of you (laughs) and you're just about to partake of it and you're going to enjoy it and at the end of that meal, if you were to just sit there and say, man, that was the best meal I've ever had in my life and that's it. Again, four hours later, you're like, it wasn't enough. I need more. I need more. But in that moment, when you partake of that meal and you're experiencing that that sweet potato pie or casserole and those you know green bean casseroles, I don't know how y'all do it. I know how we do it in the south, but we have it's a lot of casserole ridden stuff in there. But when you eat it, you in that moment, the way it rolls past the food is saying, God created that flavor that I just tasted. Like, like he thought that up. Like, we, we didn't just whip that up in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, we brought into existence a new flavor. No, like, God thought that up. Like, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Creation that he created, with all the ingredients that we have, you know, scientifically been putting together to create food for the past thousands of years, Again, those things, he's not shocked. He's not surprised. He's going, hey, why don't you put a little salt on that? And then experience it. Like God thought this stuff up. And so when we partake and enjoy and then thank God for it, there and only there do we actually experience the fullness of what creation was created to do and be as we also experience our Creator. Our Creator. So it's a good thing. Like, like this, this Thursday, man, eat and drink your fill, as he says in Song and Solomon in Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes. Eat and drink your fill, all right? Now don't be gluttons and drunkards, you know, out there. But eat and drink your fill. Be satisfied as you are thanking God for what he's provided for you in that moment. That's how thanksgiving sanctifies creation. Number four, thanksgiving. Is something that we can offer because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. We should aim to have our thanksgiving rise in proportion to the value of the object for which we give thanks. So it's not just this kind of half-hearted, like, thank you, God, for what you've done. But it's like looking to the depth of God's entire plan that we see throughout the Bible. And, And that's why when we talk about the good news... We're talking about the Bible being divided into four categories. All right, you got you got creation, which is the first 2 chapters of Genesis. You've got the fall, which is Genesis 3 all the way to the gospels. You've got the fall which is just us literally just swimming around in our sinfulness, trying to clean ourselves up, trying to do our own way, trying to figure things out, but we just can't quite figure it out. We can't quite get good enough. We can't quite earned God's favor from Genesis 3 all the way to the Gospels. And then God sends his son Jesus because we can't. And that's when the Gospel comes into it. That's when Jesus steps into the scene, as we'll celebrate in the Advent, come thou long-expected Jesus. Jesus comes, and guess what? He does everything that we couldn't do from Genesis 3 all the way to the Gospels. Every single literally every single law, both here's what you should do and here's what you should not do, Jesus did perfectly. Perfectly. For 33 years of life on this earth, he did it perfectly. Because you couldn't. You couldn't. And so we needed someone to do that for us. We needed someone to step into our place and always have thoughts that were pure. And to always have actions that were honorable. And to always have motives that were aligned with the will of God. I mean, that's Jesus. And so he lives this perfect life because you could not live it. And because of our imperfect lives, we know that Romans 3 says the wages of sin is death. It's death. But the free gift is God in Jesus Christ, going to the cross and paying our death penalty for us. This is, this is the, like, thanksgiving should all flow from the gospel. Because it allows us to rightfully and clearly see how the world functions, how the world exists, how we exist, how we work within God's plan, all of those things. The gospel paints the picture for us clearly to be able to have thanksgiving in what I'll say, number five here, all circumstances. To have thanksgiving in all circumstances. One surprising aspect of thanksgiving is that, again, it doesn't depend on your circumstances. It doesn't. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of you have ever asked the question, What is God's will for my life? Anyone ever asked that question? What is God's will for my life? Now I know from being a youth pastor for a few years and and, and just being in ministry for a little while now. Um, that's like the question for everyone between the ages of like 15 to 25. <laughs> is what, what is God's will for my life? And, and the way that we interpret God's will for our life is uh, w- what college am I going to go to? Who am I going to marry? What career path am I going to take? Uh, how many kids am I going to have? Like That's how we view God's will for my life is the chapters of my life. But God's will for your life is not based on what you get or what you don't get. What you experience or what you don't experience. That's not God's will for, you, for your life. God's will for your life is simply this. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And as we finished James last week, James 5.13, there's two ways in which you Rejoice. If anyone among you is suffering, let them pray. That's a a type of rejoicing. you're, You're suffering and you're going to the Lord in prayer to petition a need from Him to grant you comfort and peace and sufficiency in life, strength, whatever it is, so that you then get to this place of is anyone cheerful among you? Let them sing praise, let them rejoice. That's really the two categories we have for people in churches, according to James. They're either suffering or they're cheerful. If they're suffering, let them pray, which will help get them to being cheerful. Get them to being rejoiceful. That's what he's looking at. Rejoice always. How? Pray without ceasing. Always see your dependence upon the Lord. And there you'll be able to give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, you'll be able to give thanks. You might be able to go to a family gathering this week where you know with one comment about COVID or with one comment about masks or one comment about a political realm or one comment about Rittenhouse or one comment about fill in the blank and the grenade's gonna drop. And if you have this type of perspective when you walk into that, you might actually be able to come out the other side rejoicing. And being thankful in all circumstances. Because you might, like James taught us, you might be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because your perspective is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And honestly, that's the one thing. Just preach it to yourself this entire season. And I promise you, I promise you, I can't control your circumstances, but what I can promise you because I'm putting the scriptures on this, I'm putting God's word at stake here, is if you keep reminding yourself that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The anxiety of this season will begin to subside. peace comfort encouragement will begin to come in and and as it says you'll be able to rejoice you'll be able to rejoice and that's what we're after and we want people rejoicing this season now eat the meals open the presents do do it up right but just remember it's all about jesus as we come to, I told you I was going to be short today. Um, as we come to this time of communion, Matthew you go ahead and stand. And um, as you stand, if you do not have the elements, I'm going to have you go ahead and go back to the table and grab the elements for communion. And as I shared uh, this this past Thursday night, if you missed the worship night uh, bummer, <laughs> you missed it um, but as I did share with those who were here for the worship night we we partook of communion together and we celebrated this idea of Jesus being at this supper with his disciples and him explaining to him to them that this meal is so much more than just the substance that you're getting because it's actually pointing to the greater substance, Jesus himself. And as we talk about shadows and substance, this is, this is a shadow. This is a shadow of the greater substance. This is, this is not going to satisfy you. You're going to get lunch after this. It's not that kind of meal. But this is a meal for your soul. This is a meal for you to be able to get to this place where, where you're picturing in your, in your mind Jesus gathered with his disciples and he's sharing with them, I'm about to break my body for you. I'm about to shed my blood so that you don't have to shed your blood. And that this was God's plan. All along. And and the disciples there are kind of like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Jesus. You're Jesus. You're not going to die. You've been with us for three years leading us. You're king. We've seen you heal people. We've seen you bring people back to life. You're not going to die. I mean, he's sharing this meal with them. And then they leave. And still don't believe it because when they come to arrest Jesus, Peter does what Peter does and he pulls a sword and chops a guy's ear off. Like he didn't have enough energy to stay awake when Jesus asked him to stay awake when he's praying, but he had enough energy to cut a guy's ear off. Peter's got to get his priorities right. But he still in that moment just wasn't, he was seeing the shadows, but he wasn't seeing the substance. He wasn't seeing what Jesus was really doing. And I'll be honest, guys, it is so easy for us to only focus on the shadows and never get to the substance, never get to the substance. So let these be markers in your mind. This is a meal so that as you get to that next meal on Thursday, it's another reminder. This is a shadow of the greater substance, Jesus. He is our great bread, provider of our life. We worship him. And so as we partake together this morning, let us remember ultimately that it's about Jesus, not just what we're doing right now. For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the Lord's death together now. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at infothedistrict.church? At